What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest episode of Scoing Long. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We are right about at the midway point of the spring football season for the Oregon Ducks. There are a total of 15 spring practices. 14 of those will take place before the spring game. One is kind of a wrap-up afterwards. So we are six down. We've got the seventh one happening on Thursday morning, about probably when you're listening to this, when this comes out at least. And then there are seven to go before the spring game. So it felt like a really good time to, you know, for for a bit of a recap on some of the biggest storylines, some of the biggest takeaways that are happening. I am uh, I'm in there at practice every day, media availabilities uh, every day that they're practicing. We get to watch, you know, the first 15 or 20 minutes or so of practice. So we got some boots on the ground and we're, we're in there watching and, and seeing what they're doing this spring. So um, I, I just wanted to go through kind of what we've been seeing so far and uh, what some of my biggest takeaways are. If you read Duckswire, uh, you are probably caught up and you know what's going on. But for the average fan, for the average listener, um, someone that's not tuned in every day, I want to give you an update on just on what I've been seeing and what some of the you know the biggest takeaways and, and developments are so far. Um, so I'm going to offer my seven biggest stories of note uh, through these first you know six or seven practices. I've also got a little bit of recruiting news to touch on. So thank you for tuning in. Let's go ahead and get into it. Before we get into the spring football stuff, uh, I want to touch on recruiting. Earlier today, uh, Wednesday, as I record this, the Ducks got a big commitment from offensive lineman Trent Ferguson. He is a three-star offensive lineman out of West Salem. This is a player where you kind of have to look past the the recruiting ranking. I mean, on 247 Sports, he is rated as the number 70 tackle in the nation, the number 859 overall player. Those aren't numbers that are going to get you, you know, incredibly excited as a fan. That's, you know, that's it's not one of the higher rated players in this class, nor will it be by the end when all is said and done. But this is still a, a really intriguing player. He's six foot seven, 300 pounds. Um, apparently, the story is that he, he didn't start playing football until his junior season in high school. So he's only played a handful of games, you know, apparently had a handful of padded practice. There is a lot of untapped potential here, and this is a player, to me at least, it feels like you kind of have to trust Oregon here. You kind of have to trust their their eye for talent and their their eye for a prospect that, that they want to come in and they want to get him developed and they want to see what type of potential he has because clearly there's some upside there. I mean, you have that big body, that framework, and you can kind of mold him. I mean, he's he's really a, a raw chunk of clay at this point. And you get Alik Terry, you get Mike Cavanaugh, you get that, you know, that Oregon system and you mold him and you find, you know, what type of potential he has. I think there's a really high upside and it feels like there's a, a pretty good chance over the, you know, coming months, coming year as he plays more football. He, he plays a senior year in high school that he starts to get more recognized and get more offers. And, you know, you can see his recruiting ranking go up a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of Fox Crater, who is another tackle that's committed to Oregon in this class. You know, the Ducks offered him and they got a commitment from him. Uh, I believe it was last November. I would need to check the date on that. But last year, definitely. And, you know, it was it wasn't viewed as a highly rated commit at the time, but he's kind of blown up since then. And you've seen him get offers from 
Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, all of these schools. And he's taken a lot of visits right now because um, he's he's really blown up. And since his his profile's gotten bigger, he wants to check out more schools. So um, I don't know that that Ferguson is going to blow up to that level that Crater did, but. Uh, I'm I'm relatively excited about this one because once again it's a huge huge big bodied player and there seems to be a lot of potential there. I'm just I'm excited to see what the Ducks can do with him and what they mold him into going forward. Another commitment that Oregon got last week, uh, four star safety Aaron Flowers. This one was a, a very nice get, a really nice get for new safeties coach Chris Hampton. Um, another really, really good defensive back that they got committed. He's the number 109 player in the, the 2024 class, the number nine safety. So this is really a, a blue chip prospect. He is someone that can come in and, you know, maybe not as a true freshman make a difference, but you can have multiple years of him as a starter and have him as a, a real contributor on that defense. And it just kind of goes to it. It adds to the list of really elite defensive back recruits that, that the Ducks have gotten over these last two or three classes once they've brought Demetrius Martin in, once they've got Dan Lanning on that defense, and now that you've got Chris Hampton in there too, it just goes to show that you know he's able to recruit at a high level as well. You know, you take Aaron Flowers, you got Jaleel Florence, Jaleel Tucker, Dalen Austin, Roderick Pleasant, Kamari Terrell, all of those really, really high-end four-star defensive backs, cornerbacks or safeties. Um, they're all very young right now. They still need to be polished a little bit, but over the next couple of years, I think that we're going to see just the talent level alone in Oregon's defensive backfield rise a lot. Um, will that turn instantly into production? It's too early to say we need to see them on the field, but uh, this is going to be one of the more talented defensive secondaries that we see in Eugene over the next two, three years. I think that they're kind of stacking talent. They're, they're building a roster full of these blue chip players and it's, it's been really impressive to see so far. So um, those two commitments, I know the ducks are, I believe that's seven commitments in the 2024 class. The last I checked, they were ranked. I think it was number nine in the nation for the 2024 class, all of them four stars, except for Trent Ferguson, who's at three star out of West Salem. Um, It's, it's a good start. I mean, there's, there's more commitments to come. You've got a lot of visits happening. You had a huge visit weekend last weekend. Uh, more visits taking place right now. You've got Oregon spring game coming up. Right, I've even lost track of how many five stars are coming for that. But the last I, well, from what I can remember, I believe there's six or seven five stars that have already said they're coming. So we'll see if all of them end up making it. But uh, recruiting is it's going well for the Ducks right now. I know Oregon fans might not have seen all of the commitments that they want to see at this point. They may think that the Ducks are lagging behind a little bit because it's been a couple of slow months. That's that's fair to say, but I think that there's a lot of positive momentum. We saw these two commitments over the past week. I think something's really building here. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, these next couple, couple weeks, couple months, things are going to pick up. I think that you see a lot of, a lot of really big commitments. Um, there's a couple of quarterbacks announcing their commitment that the Ducks are in on over the next couple months, next few weeks. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they can do. It's it's going to be a good time for the Ducks in the recruiting world. All right, let's get into uh, spring ball a little bit. I like I said up top, I've got seven seven major items, seven major stories that I've kind of earmarked as really important. Um, things that I've seen at practice, things that I've heard from either coaches and players and in interviews 
things that I've been told from people who've, who have watched more practice, seen those 11 on 11 scenarios, seen those seven on seven scenarios and seen these players really get to work because I'll say, I mean, while, while we're at practice every day um, or, or every day they have practice, I should say they've, they're practicing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday throughout the month of April, you know, we get to watch 15, 20 minutes of practice, but, a lot of that is doing special teams work and individual work and, and kind of tackling drills. And while we still get to see, you know, a good amount, we see who's healthy and who's not, you know, we're, we're not watching them, them scrimmage. We're not watching them play seven on seven, 11, on 11. They're, uh, they're set to have their first scrimmage this Saturday in Austin stadium. That's closed to media, of course. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the storylines coming out of that. But these are the seven things that, you know, have stood out to me the most so far. Number one, I think that one of the main storylines for Oregon this year, it just has to do with, you know, Will Stein's offense. We, we saw such a renaissance with, with Kenny Dillingham last year and the Oregon offense as a whole that I think that one of the main, I don't know if I would say concerns, but one of the main questions coming into this year is how different would things look under Will Stein? Are there are there wrinkles that he's going to add to the offense, or he's going to is he going to run the ball way more than Dillingham did? Is he going to throw the ball way more than Dillingham did? Not to say anything is going to be bad, different, but how different will it be? Are there any any major changes from what we've heard so far? I mean, I've I've made a point to ask you know every coach and every player that we've talked to, you know, how different is this offense? What have you seen that are differences so far? It doesn't sound like it's much different at all. I mean, almost everyone says that, you know, we're pretty much running the same thing. A couple of tweaks here or there. They're they're not really going they're not really gonna tell us what the tweaks are because they don't want to show their cards and, and nor should they. But um I've I've been really interested to see that most people are saying that for the most part this is what they did last year, which for an Oregon fan, you know, I think you should be highly encouraged about that because the Ducks had one of the best offenses in the year last year. And they've upped the talent on that side of the ball. They got Bo Nix back. They got all of their starting skill position guys back. We'll talk about the offensive line in a second. But for the most part, I think that um, fans should be pretty encouraged that what they got last year is what they're going to get this year again on that side of the ball. One thing that Will Stein did say is that he had a quote. Uh, we, we talked to him last week. I believe it was on Saturday. He had a quote. He said, I think the plays are overrated. It's all about the players. Um, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, as an offensive coordinator, his job is to call plays. His job is to scheme up an offense and, and draw up these plays that can fool a defense. And uh, he's got an interesting take on that by saying that, you know, plays are overrated. And um, his main philosophy is that he wants to get the ball into the hands of playmakers and just let them go to work, get them in space and just, just let them do what they do. And he says that, at Oregon, it's the the best group of players that he's worked with, and it's the most talent on offense that he's worked with. And I I believe he's right with that. But um, I'm I was just curious. It was it was just kind of funny to hear an offensive coordinator say that. That yeah, players plays aren't a big deal. It's just all about the players. So um, another thing that really stood out to me is that he he came out and said that Bo Nix is still going to have that autonomy to check plays into audible and check in and out of, of formations and plays based on what he sees from the defense. That was one of the things that, you know, not every college quarterback has that ability. Uh, one, not every college quarterback, you know, is should be given that ability because they don't know the offense well enough. They're not experienced enough. Nick's is, you know, he's going to be a fifth year starter this year. 
And last year in Kenny Dillingham's offense, he really, him and Dillingham were so close after working at Auburn that they knew the offense super well and they knew each other super well. They knew what each other wanted to do and um, the kind of the best way to go forward based on what they see from a defense. Uh, there was questions about, you know, whether Knicks would still have that ability in a new offense with, with Will Stein. And someone asked him on Saturday if, if he was going to have that autonomy and, and Will Stein said, yeah, absolutely. If we've got a quarterback that has the ability to read a defense pre-snap and get us into or out of looks uh, based on what he sees, that's one of the best benefits they can have on offense. So uh, that's definitely something we will see again going forward. All right, number two on my list, I have Tez Johnson and Treshawn Holden. I really want to talk about Tez Johnson. I have been hearing a lot of really, really good stuff out of Oregon practices so far uh, from multiple people too, not just one guy telling me that that he's seen some really good stuff, but I've had multiple people say that Tez Johnson is he's looking like the real deal, and he's kind of bringing a, a receiver skill set that Oregon doesn't doesn't really have yet. Um, he's smaller frame. I mean, he's I think five eleven. 160 pounds is, I don't know if that's exactly what he's listed at, but that, that sounds about right. He needs to put on some weight, but he's got, he's got a skill set and ability that, that is really dynamic and he's got so much speed. Anyone you talk to about him, it says he's, you know, one of the fastest guys on the team. He's, he's quick, he's agile, he's got great hands and he's just, he's really explosive and gives the, the Oregon offense kind of a new wrinkle. He reminds me of, you know, he, to me, seems like a guy that Will Stein would love to play with or love to draw up plays for because he's someone that you just – you get him the ball in open space, you watch him go to work. It's kind of like a – this is a outlandish comparison, but kind of like a Tyree kill because, you know, you, he's so quick with the ball. You could just kind of get him out there and, and just let the defense try and stop him. So um, I don't know. I mean, I know that's a, a crazy comparison to make because Tyree kill is one of the best receivers in the NFL, but – it's just that type of player, you know, that that formula of player. Um, so I'm I'm incredibly excited to see what Tez can do in the spring game. I'm also really excited to see Treshawn Holden, uh, another transfer that Oregon brought in. I know he had his, his ups and downs with the team earlier this year, but he seems to be, you know, on a good page with everyone. Junior Adams came out. We talked to him yesterday on Tuesday. He came out and said that he's been really impressed by both Treshawn and Tez, says that they're coming into to the building every day, 6.30 before everyone else, and they're getting into the offensive install. They're, they're watching film. They're breaking down tape. They're, they're really putting the extra hours in that they need to to succeed. And I think that's, you know, that's really important. You always want your veteran guys doing that, but to see a pair of transfers come in and see them buy in so quickly, that's upping the competition in the wide receiver room, and I think that's making everybody better. On a similar note, we talked to Bo Nix on Saturday and uh, Eric Scopel 247 asked him, you know, there's there's obviously that relationship with Nix and Tez. They're adopted brothers, brothers, whatever you want to call them. They grew up together. They've got a long history together. They've played together. Eric asked him, you know, did you did you talk to the other receivers? Did you talk to Troy Franklin and Chris Hudson about there not being, you know, any favoritism in that wide receiver room about, you know, not, not any nepotism or anything like that. 
And Nick said that, you know, the first thing he did once Tez committed to Oregon, he called Franklin and he called Chris Hudson and he said that, hey, we're bringing in this guy because we want to up the level of competition and we want to up the level of talent in the receiver room. And he said that both of those guys, you know, really, really accepted that and, and took that well. And they're they're not shying away from the challenge. They're not shying away from the competition. They know that iron sharpens iron. And if you get more talent in that room, everyone's going to be better for it. So um, I think that that's that's really important to to see from a wide receiver room. And I think that you know, like you said, there's there's a lot of talent there. And you know, whoever gets open is going to get the ball. And if they can get open, I think we can feel confident that Bo Nix is the right guy to to find the the right guy to get the ball to find the the open receiver and, and find them downfield. So at this point, you know, it's it's way too early to, you know, say these are your starting wide receivers because we haven't seen them play too much. We've seen a couple of routes run on air, but, you know, outside of that, we've not seen seven on seven or 11 on 11. But based on what I'm hearing, based on, you know, kind of the, the things I've gathered, gathered via quotes and, and stories from people who are watching, I think you're starting receivers for Oregon obviously going to be Troy Franklin. I think that Treshawn Holden is probably going to get that starting role. I think he's probably going to take over where Chase Cota left off. And then if I'm being honest, I think that Tez is probably going to push Chris Hudson out of the starting job. I, uh, you know, I don't have a ton to base that off of other than just what I've seen at practice a little bit and what I've been told. But uh, I think that Tez is a little bit more talented player. And um, I think that he's, he's good enough to, to start and, if that means that Chris Hudson gets pushed to the to the sideline, then then so be it. He's got to earn that spot, and just because he's returning from last year does not mean that he's, uh, you know, given that starting spot. He's got to earn it, got to work for it. So um, that just goes back to you know these these new guys coming in, making everyone better and making everyone work harder, which is for the benefit of the team in the long run. So at the moment, if I had to guess who the starters would be, it'd be Troy, Treshawn, and Tez. Um, we'll see what happens in the spring game. I'm, I'm really excited to see this wide receiver room. All right. Next thing I want to talk about is offensive line talent. Uh, the offensive line, like I've said before, many times, it's one of the key pieces of the offense this year, obviously any year it is, but being forced to kind of replace the entire unit. I know you've got Marcus Harper as the lone starter that is returning, but he might even be playing a new position on the offensive line this year having to come in and and say, Hey, there are five open starting spots uh, on the line this year. Let's fill them. I think it's, it's a big challenge, especially when you've got a new offensive line coach and a leak Terry, but I think that the ducks are definitely suited to, to be successful in that venture. There is not a lack of talent on this offensive line. There are a lot of really, really good players. You've got, like I've said before, Johnny Cornelius coming in from the transfer portal, uh, Josh Connerly stepping up his second year, more on him in a second. Uh, Junior Angelau, Marcus Harper, Stephen Jones, Jackson Powers Johnson. Those are all really valuable, talented pieces. What you're lacking is the experience. You don't have, you know, I don't think you have double digit starts on that roster at a, at a power five level. But what you've got is you've got a ton of talent. You have a lot of bodies and you've got depth. Even behind those, I think, six guys that I mentioned, you've got a ton of underclassmen who are are really highly rated recruits and really talented players. Uh, you should have to trust that they're getting the right development and the right coaching from Malik Terry. Um, one guy I really want to talk about, one guy whose name continues to be brought up you know, every time we talk to the media or talk to coaches and players is Josh Connerly. 
you know, I think that fans are incredibly excited to see his development. He obviously was the the top rated offensive tackle to ever sign with the Ducks last year. Uh, it appears he's in line for a breakout. It appears that, you know, he is, he's been putting in the work this offseason. He's really changed his body, bulked up a little bit. I believe Marcus Harper said that he's low 300 pounds right now. He's really, really put on a lot of muscle and really kind of, he looks like a left tackle right now. He really looks like one of your, your prototypical offensive tackles, someone like Pene Sewell, um, someone like Tyler Crosby. He, he kind of looks the part and we're finally, we're going to get a chance to see him, you know, see what he can do. We talked to Dan earlier this year too. And he said that things that Connerly is doing off the field, the way that he's attacking film study and meetings and really his off season workout and his stretching and in practice, everything Dan said that he's really turned into a leader on this team and he's trying hard to, to be one of those veteran guys, even though he's just a, a true sophomore. So I've been really impressed from what I've heard from him so far. Obviously we have not seen too much of him on the field based on what we've seen in practice, but he's someone that I think that fans should get really excited about him because uh, based on everything we're hearing, he's, he's probably going to be one of your starting players, your starting offensive lineman. I believe it'll be a left tackle. Uh, we will, we'll see where he moves because there's a lot of movement right now, uh, but he's, you know, it's been glowing reviews so far out of practice. We are going to get a chance to talk to offensive line coach Alik Terry for the first time on Thursday. So as you're listening to this, we'll probably be out there at interviews. Uh, I'm looking forward to that just to kind of hear hear more about him, his career. I know that he's said before that Oregon is kind of his, you know, his dream job being the offensive line coach for the Ducks. That's that was his dream job. He came up was a, a graduate assistant under Mario Cristobal, went to Hawaii, went to Minnesota Vikings uh, to coach the defensive line. And he came back to Oregon, and this is where he really wants to be. So I'm excited to talk to him and just just see what comes out of it because I I know that the players love him, uh, the other coaching staff loves him, they really respect him, and he's a a young coach, but I think that he's you know he's got a really bright future with the Ducks. Next thing on my list, this one's a short one, and maybe not the most important one on the list, but you know it's it's definitely worth noting. There's been. There's been some punter success for the Ducks. I think that, uh, you know, we all know how poor Oregon's special teams was last year. Their punting unit was not great. Their punt return unit wasn't great. Um, you know, punt coverage was was very mediocre. They came in, they brought Luke Dunn in, a scholarship punter from Australia. And so far, he looks really good, man. I mean, he's been impressive. One of the things that we get to see every day at practice after stretching is special teams and we get to see, you know, the punters punt kickers kick. We get to see punt return, kick return. And that's, that's probably one of the main, any, any Oregon reporter will tell you, they got probably the best feel for special teams right now. Cause that's one of the things that we do see every single day. Luke Dunn looks really good. He's got a, maybe he's got a lot of consistency so far and he gets probably 45, 50 yards of, of distance on most of his punts. So, I've been really impressed by him so far. I don't know that that will stop Oregon from bringing in, you know, another transfer or a walk on at the position this off season, because, you know, you always want depth and you want competition. Like I said, um, I, I think that they still need to push done 
um, for that starting punter spot. But right now, I think that he's by far the lead candidate to be your starting punter. And I think that the Ducks should feel pretty confident in him. He looks really good so far. And I'm, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do in some live action when there's people running at him and he's trying to get his punt off under pressure. Cause you know, that changes the game when you're not doing it just on air. But so far, uh, I think that he has passed the test and I'm excited to see what he can do. Next thing on the list is backup quarterback improvement. Uh, by all accounts, Ty Thompson seems to be impressing this year. He seems to be like he's really taken that ne- next step and developing as a quarterback, which is exactly what you want to hear as an Oregon fan. Again, we haven't seen too much of it. We've we've got chances to see you know the quarterbacks throwing drills, throw a little bit to receivers on air, but we haven't seen him you know in an offensive situation where he's. Uh, calling plays, running plays, getting his guys in order. But based on what coaches and other players are saying, he seems to look really comfortable and he seems to to have a good command of the offense this year, which is not something that we've always seen from him in the past. I mean, Ty Thompson gets a lot of, in my opinion, some unfair hate and some unfair you know, grief from the fan base because he had really high expectations coming to Eugene. He was, the at the time of his signing, actually, I believe, still the, the highest-rated quarterback to ever sign with the Ducks out of high school. And people expected him to be the next Marcus Mariota or the next Justin Herbert. And, you know, as any true freshman would or redshirt freshman, he's struggled a little bit when he's been on the field. I've said it. I've, <laughs> I feel like almost every other episode I'm talking about Ty Thompson and defending him. But, you know, what we've seen from him on the field, he's not always been put in the best position to succeed. I think that he's not always in a, a, he's usually on the field when it's late game scenarios and they're trying to run out the clock or they're trying to just, you know, get the game over with. And so he's, he's running the ball a lot. He's not asked to throw the ball downfield. And, and it's, it's really not been a position where he can excel a lot. I know we saw him last year at the end of the Washington game when Bo Nix was hurt. That was another inopportune moment because you know you're you're balancing so many things and you're trying to to hold on to the lead and and maybe get just kill enough time for next to get out of the medical tent and get back on the field so um that was a a tough moment in thompson's career but so far it sounds like he's really taken this offseason and done a lot of growing and really just kind of stepped up we've always known that he's had the physical tools He's got the physical talent and the arm strength to be an incredible quarterback. It's just all mental with him. And it's all about processing and making the right decisions and, and just getting command of the offense. And so far it sounds like out of spring practice, he's doing really well with that. I'm sure it's, I'm sure that, uh, you know, he's not pushing Knicks to be the starting quarterback. I think that that's another thing that's kind of allowed him maybe to grow a little bit, knowing that, he doesn't have to be perfect. He can kind of make those plays where he learns from them and not shy away from making those mistakes in order to, you know, win a starting job, but he can just focus on his own personal growth, which I think that could help him a lot this offseason and this year going forward too. The other backup quarterback right now, uh Austin Novasat, true freshman, four star from from Dripping Springs, Texas. Uh he's still got a lot of growing to do from what I'm told. I think that um, I think that's very expected. I don't think you should expect any, you know, true freshman, eighteen-year-old quarterback to come into college ball and and be perfect right away and and make all the throws and not make any, you know, not make any mistakes, not throw any interceptions. But you know, I've I've been told that he's really putting himself in a position to grow. He's not shying away from failure. I guess I would say. 
Um, I think that's important. I think that, you know, like Thompson, he knows that he's got time to sit on the bench and learn and, and really grow behind someone like Nick's. And he's, he's really trying to try to do that. Uh, I don't want to say the hard way, but he's trying to do it the right way. You know, he's, he's trying to make throws and he's not, not shying away from these positions and, and dumping it off. He's trying to like fit those balls in the window and it's, it's not being overly aggressive. It's just, it's challenging himself and pushing himself. So um, I, I, we have not seen too much of him. Obviously we've seen him in throwing drills a little bit. He's got a good arm. Uh, he could stand to, you know, add 10, 15 pounds of muscle too. He's, he's young. He's a little thin right now, but you know, as that's, that's what true freshmen are. They need to grow. They need a year in the, the Oregon weight room and the Oregon nutrition plan to really get up to speed and, and look like a starting division one college quarterback. So um, I think that both both backup quarterbacks behind Nick's really good reviews so far. Um, I think they've got bright futures in Eugene. All right, two more things on the list. This next one is the linebacker group. We uh, again we haven't seen too much, but uh, based on what we've heard from Dan Lanning, this the linebackers look pretty good this year. I know that last year they were a little mediocre. I would say I know that Noah Sewell didn't have his best year. Aside from him, I mean, Jeff Bossa did all right. Keith Brown did all right. Justin Flo was a, a whole different story. But so far, they've they've got some some solid players. I know that uh, Justin Jacobs came in from Iowa. You got Connor Soule coming in from Arizona State. Uh, Jeff Bossa put on 15 pounds of muscle and is looking really big. Uh, Keith Brown making a little bit of a leap, too. I think that he's really getting used to this defensive scheme. Uh, one thing that Landing said yesterday when we talked to him on Tuesday uh, he said that the top of the group, you know, the best players in that group are not far away from the bottom players in that group. Um, there was an interesting thing for him to say. I don't, <laughs> you can take that as a good thing or you can take that as a bad thing. I mean, it, it just kind of depends on how, how bad the bottom players are of that group. But I think that, you know, the way he said it, it it's to be taken as a positive. I think that he's encouraged by the players that they have in there and the, the, the type of players that are in that room now that they fit his scheme. And and these are the guys that, um, that, you know, that he wants to run his defense. And these are the guys that he recruited that he brought into the team. So um, I think that at the moment you take this as a positive, it's still, it's still very unknown though. One good thing, you know, Justin Jacobs, like I said, fully healthy, which is awesome. I know he had a, a season ending knee injury last year, but he's playing full speed this year. Um, he needs to see some live competition and we need to really see what we get from him. And that's kind of, that goes for the entire position group. We really need to see live competition to, to, you know, gain a lot of confidence in this group and gain a lot of confidence that they can be one of the better units on the defense. And that's not when I say live competition, I don't mean the spring game. We aren't going to learn a ton in the spring game. I don't think cause you're running, against your teammates and you're running against a team that you really know and you're, you know, until you play someone in a different Jersey, until you play Texas tech, I guess, until you play a team that's not, you know, your own, you're not going to see exactly what these guys are and what they can bring to the table because there's, there's a little bit of holding back and, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I, you look at the start of Oregon schedule and I don't know that there's many games until that Washington game, I believe it's week seven, where you're going to feel totally confident and comfortable with what this defense can do. 
uh, Portland State Week One, Texas Tech Week Two, maybe that you'll you'll get to see Texas Tech's a, a, a good team. So I think that if Oregon's defense can go out in that game and and really shut them down and show that they've that they're capable of doing something, I feel like Duck fans can feel pretty confident. But you know the front half of Oregon's schedule is pretty easy. So um, until that Washington game, I don't I don't know that we're gonna get a ton of proof yet that the ducks are really elite on defense. Um, it's, it's going to be a question going forward for the first half of the season, I would say at least. All right. Last one here. I've got edge depth written down. So defensive end edge rusher, the depth at that position. Uh, it is, I think it's safe to say it's a little bit of concern right now. You've got Jordan Birch. You've got uh Brandon Dorless who's playing a little bit of inside, a little bit of outside. We'll see where he lines up. You got Mace Funa, all of those three guys, you know, you could feel really confident in and you can feel like they're going to bring something solid to the table, be, you know, above average players for the Ducks. Behind that, I'm not really sure Oregon knows what they have. I don't think that media members or fans really know what they have because, you know, it's, it's just unknown at this point. You've got Mateo Uyunglele, true freshman. I don't know if you can really rely on him in his first year to be a, a big difference maker. You got a couple other young guys. Uh, Trevin Mai was an edge rusher. He moved a defensive tackle this year. He told us yesterday. So that's just uh, it's a position where I think that Oregon could definitely use a little bit more depth. Uh, maybe they get that in the transfer portal this year. I'm not really sure what they do, but like every other position on defense, you know. It can be the storylines can be positive, but until we see it and until we see them in in live action, I just I can't feel quite comfortable just yet thinking that they're going to be an elite elite presence on that field and that they're going to impact the game in a positive way. But and again, it, it's not something that we're going to see in the spring game. I'm not going to come on this podcast on on April 30th after the spring game and say, "Wow." Oregon's edge rushers are are the best in the Pac-12 and they're going to have an incredible defense. That's just it's not something that we're going to see at that point. So, uh going forward, I think that the the edge depth is definitely somewhere they can stand to improve a little bit. But, you know, at the top, you've got some some really really good players. So, I don't think that you're you're going to be hurting for production there at the top, but, you know, just it's just something to consider down the road. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Um, I am going to be on sometime next week. I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is. We've got several more practices between now and uh, the end of next week. Um, like I said, still seven more coming between now and the spring game. So I'll hop on and we're gonna we'll do something about football. I'm not sure. I might have a guest on. We'll figure something out. Uh, hopefully, something fun for you to listen to. I know you guys last two episodes been listening to just me. So. Uh, we'll try and get someone on else, uh, someone else on another voice for you guys to hear. Talk about some football. Uh, thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We will talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy. <laughs>